Well, our text for these night sessions is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so man, we get a picture here of the threefold man as we've said, spirit, soul, and body. We've dealt to some extent with the body and what must be done with it, presented to God a living sacrifice. Other things we should say perhaps, but we don't have time now, we're dealing primarily with the spirit of man. For you see, that's the real man. That's the real you. And uh, we've spent in this natural world millions of dollars to develop the physical and hundreds of millions to develop the mental, the intellectual processes, which is a part of man's soul. But... Uh, we haven't done much and seem like we don't know too much about developing the spirit of man. But the spirit of man can be educated and trained and built up just as his mind can be educated and can be built up in strength just as the body can be built up. And I have a little four-point formula that I give people. I've given it before in some measure or another but it fits in right here with this series. A little four-point formula for you to follow, to develop, to educate, to train your spirit. Now, of course, we know, first of all, that it all has to be based on God's Word. Jesus himself said, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word of God. Another verse had it, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God's word is spirit food. God's word will build up our spirits. Man, as we've already said to you and have proven to you from God's word, is in God's class of being. That is, he is a spirit creature. God is a spirit. He has a soul... And he lives in a body. He must be a spirit being because he's made, the Bible said, in the likeness and in the image of God. And God is a spirit. Now when man fell, that is when Adam sinned in the garden, when he fell, his spirit became estranged or separated from God. And you know, friends, that heart hunger or that spirit hunger is in every man. And man's spirit and his heart is never satisfied. Now, now that's the thing that drives him out in the world after a lot of things, and he's trying to find an answer, trying to find a, a, a satisfaction to that heart hunger and that spirit hunger that's on the inside of it. It'll drive him into many things. It'll drive him to different religions sometimes. And that spirit hunger and heart hunger that's in every man has given birth to many of the religions of this world. But you know, my friends, 
that spirit hunger and that heart hunger that's in every man can never be satisfied until you become acquainted with the Lord Jesus Christ and receive eternal life and are born again and become a child of God, back into fellowship with Him, back into relationship first with Him, and then second, into fellowship with Him. Can never be satisfied to this. Your spirit is the real you. Your spirit is the part of you that contacts God. Your spirit in the new birth is recreated and made a new creature. Your spirit receives eternal life. Remember the text in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is. Not his body, but he is. The real man is a new creature. The real you is a new creature. The margin says a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, this, this inward man that becomes a new man, in fact, I like another modern translation on this verse of Scripture. It said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, there is a new self. I like that. A new self. You're not the same old self you used to be. Praise the Lord. A new self. I like that. I like that. And, and, and this new man that you've become in Christ Jesus should dominate your thinking processes and should dominate the body. We have baby Christians, you see, when we have these folks that's born again, even filled with the Spirit. The Corinthians were that way. They were born again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in fact, Paul said here in the first part, he said, you come behind in no good gift. They had all the gifts of the Spirit operating in their church. You see, there's some things that we've never realized as we ought that some people think, you know, people operate spiritual gifts that they ought to be full-grown Christians, but babies can have gifts as well as others. Because Paul said this whole church were babies. I mean, spiritual gifts doesn't make you a full-grown Christian. You have to grow up in, in, in God, see? And that doesn't do away just because sometimes these are manifested in, through immature Christians doesn't mean they're not genuine gifts. Are you listening to me? And if we just keep our eyes on the Lord and thank God that He does manifest Himself in our midst and quit looking at people, we'd be a whole lot better off. Amen. I mean, after all, if God had to wait till people got perfect before he ever used it, he couldn't use anybody except me and Brother Baker. <laughs> Brother Baker's shaking his head, no, so that leaves him out. <laughs> no, I just said that for illustration. I wasn't trying to be funny, but sometimes a humorous illustration gets over to us, doesn't it? Yes, sir, that's the truth, though, friends. If God had to wait till we got full grown and fully mature Christians and perfect before he could use us, he could never use any of us. But I've seen some things happen sometimes, some of the most supernatural and miraculous things out of the mouth of babes. And sometimes some very carnal Christians. Oh, I knew they was walking in all the light they had. But they were still just babies, and that's what carnal Christians are, is babies. And yet, yet, yet God used them. And, and I've seen some wonderful things happen. Now, of course, the ideal is for people to to grow up and people to develop in the fruit of the Spirit, and, and and that's certainly true. But right on the other hand, like I said, if God had to wait to use any of us, I mean, he never could have used any of the apostles as far as that's concerned because they weren't perfect. 
I mean, if you read down through there, you'll see that they, they had some of their differences just like we do. Well, this spirit of man, which is the real man, this inward man, which is the real you, should dominate your thinking. And you should get your mind renewed with the Word of God. Now, there's something here that I think we ought to get over to you that I believe will help us because I know these things aren't discussed and it's difficult for us to differentiate very often between the soul and the spirit. Now, it's easy on the flesh. I mean, differentiate between the flesh, you see. But you see, the Word of God is really the only thing. You, you can't differentiate between soul and spirit any other way except God's Word and can do it for you. Because you see over there in the fourth chapter of Hebrews, in the twelfth verse, he said, For the Word of God is quick and powerful. Quick means alive and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now listen, dividing asunder of spirit and soul. Now, if you want to see the difference between the two of them, don't necessarily go back to the Old Testament, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the Greek word translated spirit in the Old Testament is translated 12 different things. Sometimes it's translated, uh, it's translated spirit, all right, but sometimes it's translated wind, it's translated whirlwind, it's translated blast, it's translated mildew, it's translated breath. And so there are those false cults. I guess maybe there's a reason why some of us are like we are in our thinking. Uh, you know my testimony. I, when I got saved, I was on the bed of affliction. And the doctor said I had to die just first. Just a 15-year-old boy that I stayed there after four days before I was 17 years old. I stayed there 16 months. But when I first became bed fast, I was 15 years old. Well, after I'd passed, within four months, I was 16 years old. And after I'd passed my 16th birthday, some of my grandmother's a friend, a lady, of my grandmother, bless her heart, she was honest and sincere. But you know, you can be honest and sincere and just as wrong as you can be. Amen. I'm so glad that this dear lady, I, I saw her, praise God, come to know God. I think I was instrumental in her coming to know God. Uh, not only know the Lord, be filled with the Spirit and, and go to a Assembly of God Church, praise the Lord. But she came along, and I don't mean to be unkind about it, but she, she, I was bedfast, and she thought she's going to help me, and she brought some of that devilish literature to her. <laughs> and one of these she brought me, I don't know why. I'd come to know God on the bed of affliction, just a 16-year-old boy. But I'm so glad I learned to follow my spirit back there. You know, we've been teaching about that. And, and we say something, something. On the inside of me, I was a little leery of those books. She brought three of them. See? I, I, I was a little leery of them. And, and, and I was reading my Bible, all right, and some other material that I could get a hold of, but, uh, but some way or another, I just let those books there. I didn't even like the way they looked on the outside. Some way or another, they just didn't look right to me. Some way or another, something in here uh, knew something was wrong. And when we know on the inside something's wrong, it's good for us to stop. Well, I finally, however, picked up one of them and looked at it, and it said that when right on the cover of it, when a man is dead, he's dead like a dog. And then I got to reading in this a little bit, 
And their argument was that the Old Testament speaks of the soul of animals. And we over in Christian will talk about an ever-dying soul. Your soul's going to live forever, which is correct, but we need to explain it a little better. So they said, you see, the Bible, and it does in the original Hebrew, it speaks of souls of animals. See, animals do have souls because they have reasoning faculties. That's your soul. You've got reasoning faculties. An animal has reasoning faculties. But you see, man isn't just soul and body. He's spirit, soul, and body. Animals have affection too, you see. And that, that's part of your soul. And they have life. And they have a life consciousness. And that's your soul part. But when the Bible speaks about the spirit in the Old Testament of animals, it's talking about the breath of an animal. And when they die, that's the end. Are you listening to me? But man is spirit. He is a spirit. And it, you couldn't go back to the Old Testament and interpret to save your life and really understand about this, but thank God you can in the New Testament. Now, for instance, as I said, this same Hebrew word is translated breath sometime in the Old Testament. Now, for instance, Paul said, he said in Romans 1, 9, I serve God with my spirit. Well, if that meant breath, like they tried to tell me, Paul said, I serve God with my breath. Wouldn't that be silly? And then Paul said, and I didn't know about it then, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, said, when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Well, if your breath was your spirit, like in some of these other false gods, then Paul said, when I pray with tongues, I pray with my breath. Well, that wouldn't make sense, would it? And then again, then everybody could do that. <laughs> if they did it with their breath, everybody could do it. That breathed. <laughs> And then again, again, Paul said there in the 12th chapter of, of Hebrews, he said, we're, we're not come under the mountain, talking about Mount Sinai that was on fire, you know, and there's a vapor of smoke, you know, and so on, and if an animal touched his sussu with the sword and killed, but said, we're coming to Mount Zion, under a numerable company of angels, under the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, hallelujah, unto the spirits of just men made perfect. Well, now you take what these false cuts did and said that that means breath, that that spirit just means your breath. Then he said, we're coming to the breaths of just men made perfect. Jesus died to make our breath perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not being silly. I mean, that's the way it would read, wouldn't it? See? See? Well, you could get your breath in pretty good shape just by gargling with some mouthwash. <laughs> I mean, I know you can because they say you can, you know. <laughs> And then again, the Bible said, you know, Peter said, speaking of Christ, that he was put to death in the flesh, but he is quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who were sometimes disobedient, and so on. Well, now, according to what they said, if, if the Spirit was your breath, and when it's gone, you're dead, well, then it would have said he went and preached to the breaths in prison. Wouldn't make sense, would it? No, sir. No, sir. It's spirits. God is the Father of spirits. The devil is a spirit. Angels are spirits. Men are spirits. They have a soul because they have reasoning faculties. Amen. And they have self-consciousness. And they live in a body. Praise God forevermore. Now then, this inward man is to dominate us. And so, as I said, I, I on the bed of affliction, I read that I, some, I didn't know the Bible. See, I, I hadn't been able to read. I, I'd been very limited in my reading there on the bed of affliction. Because at times I couldn't see. And so I hadn't spent my time, what little valuable time I had in being able to see. 
because they, they were days and weeks that I could only see enough to read. Now, don't misunderstand me. I could see a person in the room, but I couldn't see print to read in the Bible. And I could read maybe 10 minutes a day. And then finally got to where I could read 15 minutes a day. And I finally got to where maybe I could read an hour. And at this particular time, I could read maybe an hour a day. But that's just about all enough strength that I had, you see. And, and I, I get to where I couldn't see that. It, it'd fade away from me. And, and I didn't waste my time just to hunting around through there. I, I, I looked at the Bible and it said Old Testament and New Testament. And I said, well, my time's limited and I'll just read the new because I know the new's down in the place of the old else one of them wouldn't be new and the other no. And so I'd spent my time reading in the new, see. But here, here they came along with this literature and all the scriptures they gave was in the Old Testament. See? But I'd read enough in the New Testament that my spirit told me, said, this isn't right. This isn't right. And I began to look up a few scriptures that I'd come across and then I got a hold of some more and, and I saw it wasn't right so I just laid it down and said, no, I'll not fool with that. That isn't right. That cannot be right. Because I read right here in the New Testament. I'm not saying to go back to the Old. I read right here in the New Testament where Paul said he was going to depart when he died and be with the Lord, which is far better. If that's so concerning Paul, that's so concerning every other Christian. He wasn't going to depart and be with the Lord because he's an apostle. Amen. That wouldn't make him go to heaven when he died any more than would anybody else. Praise God. And Paul said he's going to depart and be with the Lord. I knew that had to be right. And so I just put that down. Well, you see, if we'll follow our spirits and the Holy Spirit will lead our spirits, well, well he'll guide us into all truth. He said he would. We really don't have any excuse. Isn't that right? That's absolutely the truth. Then here's something that helped me. I've, I've studied this subject for years and I, I don't have the final word. Don't, don't you misunderstand me. I'll know more about it next year than I know this year. Just occasionally when I get in the edge of this of teaching some, as you well know. But I know this much from experience that the more you'll teach a subject, the more you'll understand it yourself. Because while you're teaching, flashes of light will come. See what I mean? And so this is my first venture over in this area, just to go, but by the time I have maybe 50 of these seminars across the country on this, then we'll come back and have one here, and I'll tell you a whole lot more about it. <laughs> now, here's something else that would help you, I think, in seeing, it did me, this fact. Something that James said here. Then I'm going I'm to start in with this little formula then for you. Something James said here, in James, the very first chapter... And the 21st verse. Now I want you to notice this, friends, that James is not writing to sinners. He wrote this letter to the church. You know it did because all through here, we'll show you several of them, he said, my beloved brethren, my brethren. And then you're down that fifth chapter, he said, is any sick among you? Among who? You, you who? Well, he said, let him call for the elders of the church. So any sick among the church then, isn't it? He's writing to the church, isn't he? Now, what does he say to the church? Look in this 21st verse. He said, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, look in the 19th verse. That's just two verses in front of it. said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, wherefore, my beloved brethren, it's these beloved brethren that he's telling about that the souls are not saved yet. We talk about come and get your soul saved. No, you don't. You come and get your spirit born again. 
and then you have to do something about saving your soul yourself. Are you listening to me now? <laughs> now, now you see, so many times we've, uh, we, we, because of our wrong teaching, we've really been hindered in spiritual growth. I'll show you what he meant. He, he said this word, you receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Now listen, let's go on reading to get the full import. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He said, now when you receive this engrafted word, if you want to get your soul saved now, well, he said, then you've got to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Now he's talking to believers, isn't he? He said, my beloved brethren, my brethren. He said, for if any man be a hearer of the word, not a doer only, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, let me show you something. Go back to our text that we used the other night in Romans, the 12th chapter, in the second verse. Well, both verse 1 and 2, and this will help you. Again, let me remind you, while you're finding 12th chapter Romans, verse 1 and 2, that Paul did not write this letter to, to sinners. He didn't write this letter to the world. Again, he writes to Christians. He said, Romans 1, 7, addressed this letter to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, and called to be saints, didn't he? I said, didn't he? All right, now here's what he said. Now here again, he talks to brethren, just like James talks to brethren here. He said, my brethren. Just the verse, two verses before he said this, said, my brethren, do this, do that. Now listen. Paul said, wherefore I beseech ye, brethren. There it is again, he's talking to brothers. Brethren, he's not talking to sinners. I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your minds. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable word of God. You see, what he's saying is that you've got to receive this engrafted word with meekness which will save your souls, which will renew your minds, which will restore your souls. The soul's never born again. See, the 23rd Psalm belongs to us, even though it's in the New Old Testament. These are prophetic psalms. 22nd Psalm, you see, Jesus died. 23rd Psalm, he's the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. In the 24th Psalm, he's the coming king of kings and lord of lords, isn't he? Isn't he? We live in the 23rd Psalm now. The psalmist said, he restoreth my soul. He doesn't restore our spirits. When you restore something, you take what's there and, and redo it, you see. But our spirits are born of God. That which is born of, of the Spirit is spirit. See what I mean? See? But you see, it's this word. Now, now, now this, this Hebrew word translated restore is identically, means the same thing as the Greek word that's translated renew. And, and, and we use it the same way. We use the word restore and renew the same way. For instance, you, you, you have a piece of furniture here. And you have it renewed or restored. It's an old piece. It's an antique. And we see that happening all the time, don't we? And you renew that and you restore that, you see. You, you save it. You don't let it go. You save it by renewing it, by restoring it. And that's what he's saying, that you as believers who have become new creatures in Christ Jesus, your spirits received eternal life, you receive with meekness the engrafted word which will save, which will restore, which will renew your mind, your soul. Now can you see that? 
Can you see that? The thing that astounded me, I guess I first got a glimpse of it. And I've got a glimpse of a lot of things I never said anything about yet. <laughs> and I wouldn't because I don't want to drown you. But, I guess I first got a glimpse of that in 1949, and I think it must have been over about 1952 before I could accept it myself. You see, I was so religiously brainwashed. But it astounded me when I saw this, that Paul is saying to the saints at Rome who were born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, that this experience of being born again and this experience of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues has not yet affected your bodies and your minds. You have to do something with your body. You have to do something with your mind. Use the spirit man. And the Holy Ghost come to live in you to help you. See? Then you see the new birth has to be an experience separate than physical or mental experience, doesn't it? Then the baptism of the Holy Ghost has to be an experience separate than a physical or a mental experience. Thank God it's a spiritual experience. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But now then you see we're born of God, have the life of God in us, and then the Holy Ghost comes in to fill us, to help us. He's our helper, and he'll help us to present our bodies to God, a living sacrifice. And as we receive with meekness, that's what James is trying to tell these baby Christians here. You receive this word I'm teaching. You receive this word I'm teaching and it'll renew your mind. It'll save your soul. Now, let me show you something. You see, this threefold man, spirit, soul, body. We read it here, didn't we? Now, you see, though your spirit's born again, though your spirit has the Holy Spirit abiding in him, he's received the, the Holy Ghost. Yet, you see, if you don't get your mind renewed, or, as James said, get your soul saved with this word, get your mind renewed and restored, then you see your mind, which has been educated in all of its education, through the body and through the physical senses, your mind will side in with your body and the two of them will frame up on your spirit and keep you a baby. That's what makes baby Christians. They're body rule Christians. One translation reads that way where Paul said to the Corinthians, Paul said, you're carnal. One translation reads, I believe it's Moffat, said, you're body ruled. What did that mean? That meant their bodies, through their unrenewed minds, were ruling their spirit. And though they were a new creature in Christ. Oh yes, yes, believe what you want to about it. Believe what you want to about it. You've got to accept the fact that even though they were carnal, and he said you walk as mere men, yet they were new creatures in Christ. They just never developed. Oh, so much of our wrong religious training and teaching has hindered us instead of helped us in Christian life. And he's trying to encourage them to, to feed on God's Word, get their minds renewed with the Word of God. Praise God, so they can develop and grow spirits and not be babies. The greatest need of the church today is to have renewed minds. Can't you see that? Absolutely the truth, to have renewed minds. And so you see, if you get your mind renewed with the Word, then your spirit, through your mind, can control your body through your soul can control your body. Your soul then will side in 
will take sides with your spirit because it knows the word. It's renewed with the word. It'll side in with your spirit and let your spirit dominate. And let God's spirit through your spirit dominate, see? But if your soul, your mind is not restored and not renewed and not saved, then that unrenewed mind will, an unsaved soul and mind will side in with the body. And people, many of them have, will live and die a spiritual baby. The faith life will always be obscure to them. They'll never understand faith. And so you can't live the Christian life unless you walk by faith because said we walk by faith, not by sight. Because those, you see, who are living in the flesh are living in unbelief. And they're always in a warfare. God bless their hearts. You never see them but what they're in a battle. It's always a battle with them. Isn't it? I mean, you can see them. I mean, for years, you know, I'd run on some preacher friend, and every time I saw them, they said, how goes the battle? <laughs> every time you went to a fellowship meeting, you know, how goes the battle? It's always a battle. See, they never know. Their minds have never been renewed with the Word of God. They don't know that Jesus has already won the battle. He's already whipped the devil. Ha! <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. They don't know that the devil's a defeated foe. They're trying to whip him. They're trying to fight the devil themselves. See? God blessed their hearts, and they fought, some of them have, till they fought themselves plumb out of everything. Amen. That's the truth. That's the truth. Can you see what I'm talking about? It's absolutely the truth. And so they, they many times, there are those who, who live and die. And never develop beyond the babyhood stage of Christianity. So many are there. And I'll tell you the real truth about it. <laughs> There's too many of us are still there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But now you cheer up. Praise God. <laughs> you may grow up sometime. Don't get all peeved at me. See, babies are easily hurt. <laughs> you know? You know? Amen. Well, my friends, the Word of God the Word of God was given to us by the Holy Spirit. It was given to us to fit and to develop our spirit nature, our spirit man, this new man on the inside, this hidden man of the heart. And so, if you want to educate, if you want to train, if you want to develop your spirit, it comes, number one, here's the first point, by meditation in the Word of God. I didn't say just reading the Word. Oh, you can say I read so many chapters all you want to and never mount the hill of beans. But take time to meditate in God's Word. Now, what do I mean when I say take time to meditate in God's Word? Well, Joshua 1.8, way back there then, God said something to Joshua that gives us a clue. To something here. When Joshua, you remember, became the leader of Israel after the death of Moses, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, here's, here's something that ought to become a part of every one of your lives. Here's what God said, this book of the law, now we'd paraphrase it in New Testament phraseology like this, this New Testament, this word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate in therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do 
according to all that's written therein. Now listen, what will be the results of it? For then, for then, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. I mean, if you want to be prosperous, God tells you how. And, and this prosperity he's speaking of here didn't just mean spiritual prosperity either. It meant financial. It meant materials prosperity. You know that just well as I do, don't you? He said, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. We pray very often, God prosper us, and that's all right. That's all right. If, if we know what we're doing. But just to pray, God prosper me and make me prosperous without doing something yourself won't work. You see, God has a way of doing it. The way he does it is through his word. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And what else? And thou shalt have good success. He's not just talking about spiritual success, folks. You know that as well as I know. Because their lives consisted of something more than just spiritual. This meant in this life in which you live, the physical side of it, the material side of it, the financial side of it, you'll have good success. In fact, another translation reads this way. It says, For then thou shalt be able to deal wisely in the affairs of this life. Well, you couldn't have good success if you couldn't deal wisely in the affairs of life, could you? I mean, we've seen people that pull boners, and some of us have, and said, My, 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 how stupid can you get? How in the world come me to do that? Lost money maybe, you know. <laughs> Spent beyond our means. You know, unable to pay for it. Got in trouble. Didn't sure didn't deal wisely, did we? You ever been there? I mean, we can, I've just mentioned a few, but we, you could mention other ways, isn't it? Now, now he said this, that thou shalt, have, thou shalt make thy way, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. You see, you're going to do it, and God's going to do it all right, but he tells you how. He's furnished the means whereby you can make your way prosperous. See? He's furnished the means whereby you can be able to deal wisely in the affairs of life or have good success. Now, if you don't have it, there just ain't nobody to blame but you. I'm going to say a hard thing, but it's true. If you're at the bottom of the ladder, it's because you deserve to be there. I don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching real good. I mean, God tells us in his word. I mean, in the eternal word of almighty God. He told Joshua how he could have good success and make his way prosperous. God does it. But you have your part to play. I think too many times that we thought we could just ignore the word, just ignore the Bible, just ignore what's written therein, and... As long as we could pray and feel pretty good when we prayed. I like what sister said here. She didn't feel a thing, but got healed of cancer. Well, so many would have said, no, I'm not healed. I don't feel like it. I know I'm not. And they'd decide right in with the devil and would have been dead by now uh, if the doctors hadn't been able to help them. Thank God some of them they could help. Isn't that right? They got to it in time. Well, are you still with me? You're going home. Thank you. Praise the Lord. This brother's with me anyway. Glory to God. Now listen. Listen to me. Too many times I think that we think we can bypass the word and we can get the job done by praying. If we could just do enough praying. 
If we could just pray loud enough, if we could pray long enough, if maybe we could get enough people praying for us, it would work. But it won't, folks. It won't. Prayer has its place, and you know as well as I know that I'm not belittling prayer, but my brother, sister, if you're not going to do what God's Word said do, you can pray forever that God will prosper you, and you can solicit all the preachers you know to pray and half of their wives to pray, and when they all get through praying, unless you're going to do what it said, you're still going to be where you are. In other words, it's just like this. If you wanted to get to Oklahoma City from here, and you said you was a stranger here, and there are folks who are strangers here in Tufts who come in for this, this, this seminar, and said, now, Brother Hagin, how's the best way to get over there? In fact, somebody asked me that just the other day, and I said, well, now, the quickest, the best way to go is to get out of here on this turnpike, you see, and you go right through there just in a hurry. Well, how do I get out there? And so I told him exactly how to get out there. But now then, several days have come and gone. What if they were here and we was taking prayer requests, and they got up and prayed and said, Now, Brother Hagin told me the other day if I'd go right out here and just how to get there, you see, on the bypass, and then when I'd come there to, to the entrance, that turnpike, he'd see it right there, and so just, just, just go right through. Uh, but I want you all to pray that I'll get there. I've been a praying for a week that I'd get there, and I think now I'm going to have to fast a little. Maybe y'all could fast and pray with me that I'll get there, but we could all fast and pray that they'd get there, but they'd never get there until they acted on the directions given to them. Isn't that right? Can you understand that? And so don't you see a lot of times, instead of paying to the attention to the directions that God's given us in His Word, we're praying God bless us, and God make us a success, and, and God give us a victory, and God prosper us, and, and, and my, 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 if we could ever get quiet enough and quit blabbing all the time ourselves, where He could get through to us, we'd hear Him right here in our spirits tell us, send us right back to His Word. Take us right back to His Word. And to me, I don't know, this is thrilling to me. This book of the law, as I said, paraphrase, the principle's the same today. See, the principle of it will work for us just like it did then. Because, you see, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And Jesus said, my word shall not pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Hallelujah. And, and the word of God said that he's magnified his word above his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. This book of the law, this word of God, in other words, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mouth observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, it's when you do this, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Thou shalt be able to deal wisely in the affairs of life. I think here's something nearly all of us are looking for, isn't it? Amen. Then number one, take time. Take time. This is my first point. Take time to meditate in the Word. In other words, began the development of your own spirit. Here are some tremendous facts in connection with the development of your spirit life in the New Testament. See, we, we, we are an advantage. We've got a better covenant than they had. Listen, not only a better covenant, it says with better promises. Better promises. 
If, if they could have their way prosperous back there in the Old Testament and they could have good success, what should we do with a better covenant with better promises? Better promises. Not, not worse promises. Not just as good a promises, but better. Woo! We ought to have super prosperity and super success. Amen? Now here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know as well as I know, in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, the 16th, 17th verse, he says, and I'll pray the Father, and he'll send you another comforter. Or actually, the Greek literally reads, you know, most of your modern translations read that way, he'll send you another helper. He'll send you another helper that he may abide with you forever. 17th verse, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. For it seeth him not, near knoweth him, but ye know him, for he is with you and shall be in you. What's he going to do in you? Just what is he going to do in you anyhow? Well, Jesus said, the 16th chapter of John, 16th chapter of John, the 13th and 14th verses, how be it when the spirit of truth is come, see that back over there, he said, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Same spirit. Now, when the spirit of truth has come, how be it when the spirit of truth has come, when he's come to abide in you, when he's come to dwell in you, he will guide you into all, all truth. Amen. Amen. He'll guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Now verse 14. He shall glorify me. The spirit of truth in you will glorify me, Jesus said. Why? For he shall receive of mine, and he'll show it unto you. Praise God forevermore. Oh, the spiritual development that we ought to have had, we've never had. Now, why haven't we? Because, you see, if the devil can't keep you from getting truth, then he'll sidetrack you. He'll get you in some other realm. Some dear people bless their hearts when it comes to the Holy Ghost and receiving the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and, and those terms are all used about the same experience. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. Or being filled on the day of Pentecost, it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in the other tongues, the Spirit gave them utterance. And, and, and it said down there at Ephesus that Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus and find a certain disciple. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And the, the sixth verse said when Paul laid his hands on them or, put, or the Holy Ghost came on them, they spake with tongues. So receiving the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost, and as we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost, those terms are synonymous terms talking about the same experience. But you see, instead of us emphasizing what Jesus emphasized, somewhere or another we got carried off with what we could see with our eyes, and feel with our physical senses, that part of it. And Jesus never mentioned that part of it. He mentioned about him being in there, on the inside, his indwelling presence and what he'd do in you. And so many times I've had people talk to me. Brother Hagin said, if I could just get back where I was, that I, I'd just be, if, if necessary, just, just, just be willing to die. Come into church all the time. I mean, I've had members of mine, right? right? Members of Assembly of God Church. 
I, I'd just be willing to die. I said, what do you mean get back where you were? Well, when I got the baptism, and I thought it was one of the deacons. I thought it was all right, you know. Well, I said, what do you mean? Well, if, if I could just have that wonderful feeling like I had then. And they're always seeking a feeling. See? And too many times seeking something in connection with the physical body other than what the Word of God teaches. See, a lot of times they want to go down under the power or something, you know, or feel the power. Well, if that happens, thank God for it. Whether you know it or not, I've fallen under the power. But I don't put any stock on that. Very seldom say anything about it. I mean, that's unimportant. I mean, if it had been, the Bible said something about it. See what I mean? This emphasizes what the Bible said about it. So we get built up on these non-essential things. And of course, you don't have a solid foundation when you build on non-essential or on minor parts. And you really miss the major thing. And you miss the most important part of it. And you know, most people, most, most spirit-filled people don't realize what they got and are not walking in the light of what they got. Now, that's the truth. Because I'll tell you what you do. You could give an altar call. And, and, and I've seen them do it right in my own church. And I, I, I go home and laugh to myself about it, not making fun of them, but just thought about how stupid we were. You, you could preach that we are, we've got the Holy Ghost and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I've heard people testify, I'm filled with oil, baptized the Holy Ghost, just like they were on the day of Pentecost. Praise God. And then I've seen those same people give an altar call, they make a run for the altar, start praying, oh, God said, give me power. Lord, give me power. That's what I need, I need power. Well, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the powerhouse in you. The thing you need to do is to learn, to learn to cooperate with Him. Amen. To know what He's going to do in you and learn to listen to Him. He is in there. And he'll guide you into all truth. And he'll take the things of mine and he'll show them to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And, and you know what? If you'll start recognizing that he's in there. Now, if you don't, if you deny him even though you received him, well, then he'll just... Uh, let, let me put it this way, if I can, a little bit, bit better. We need to realize that the Spirit of God, and I never found a better way to say it, so I stay with my old statement, is a gentleman. See? He's not just going to come in and take over. No one appreciates somebody like that. See? He comes in, and he's not going to come in you don't want him in. <laughs> Some of you folks, no use you getting scared. <laughs> you're going to get the Holy Ghost. You ain't going to get it. He wouldn't come in without your invitation, and you want him in there, and he knows. Right. Are you listening to me? Yeah, he's not going to just come in and take you over. It's going to be only as you respond to him. The power of God is inactive or passive until faith is exercised and then he begins to act. I, I, I watched this in my own life through the many, many years. I learned it. I'm glad I learned it early. Didn't feel a thing. Didn't feel a thing. But yet I began to say out loud the privacy of my own room. I had to go out and preach. I had to go out and minister. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He's in there. The greater one's in there. Or I had some job, not just preaching, but in life, naturally, to, to face. But I said, he's in there. Naturally, physically, mentally, from the natural standpoint, I, I didn't feel up to it. I felt uh, uh, incapacitated. I felt unable to meet the situation. But I said, greater is he that's in me. He's in there. He's in there. 
Praise God, the greater one's in me, and he's greater than the devil that's in the world, and he's greater than the hatred that's in the world. The greater one's in me. And I noticed that when I said that, then, then he rose up in me. Oh, it's hard to describe, but he rose up in me. And he gave illumination, uh, illumination to my mind and direction to my spirit. Praise God, and I was able to walk out a conqueror and walk right over the top, bless God, of all the devil and his cohorts. Praise God forevermore. Because, you see, I learned in the beginning that he's in there, that he's the greater one, and that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, let's take time to meditate in the Word in this new covenant. It'll help to fit. It'll help to, to educate. It'll help to, to develop our spirit nature. But then not only must we meditate in God's Word, but number two, we must practice the Word. What does that mean? Same thing we read right here in James a while ago. That's what he said. But be ye a doer of the Word, not hearers only. You know what he said? Just as soon as he got through talking about this, receiving this engrafted word, he said, with meekness which is able to save your souls. The 21st verse of James 1 and the very next verse he says, but be ye doers of this word that you receive. Isn't that what he said? Be ye doers of it. Be ye doers of it. That means practice it, doesn't it? That means put it into practice, doesn't it? That means act on it, doesn't it? See, you can meditate on God's word and come to know what it says. But you see, you must practice it because he said right back over there, he told Joshua, not only to meditate therein day and night, but he said that thou mayest observe to do. To do, isn't that what he said? To do it. To practice it. To practice it. Well, now, what do you mean, Brother Hagin? You say practice the word. You mean doer of the word. What did James mean when he said, but be ye doers of the word, not herald? He mean, did he mean keep the Ten Commandments? No, 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 no. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. You see, after all, the Ten Commandments are for spiritually dead people. They're not for spiritually alive people. Amen. I mean, you mean we're not supposed to keep the Ten Commandments? Well, not just the way you said it, no. You see, the matter of the fact is this, that under the New Covenant, we've got a new commandment. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Didn't he? Amen. Didn't he? Yes. What is the new commandment? Love. See? Well, you don't have to write a letter to, uh, or a law to a fellow that loves. He's got the love of God in him. Say, thou shalt not steal. He's not going to steal. I mean, love never stole anything yet, has it? Has it? Has love ever stole anything yet? No. 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 Not this love. Not this God kind of love. Not the love of God. The love of God gives. God so loved the world that he gave. See? No, when he said be a doer of the word, he meant that he, he's saying this word that you teach, this word that we're teaching you. And we've got a number of it right here. I mean, he, he lists a number of things to do and, and so on. That's the word of God. What we're teaching you, you do it. You put it into practice. That means you act upon this New Testament just like you would if Jesus was here in person talking to you. I'm glad I learned that on the bed of affliction. And I started practicing. I had a little trouble there for several months. Because I got down there where he said, take no thought for your life. <laughs> what ye shall eat or drink or wherewithal you shall be clothed. That means do that. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And the Bible I've studied now, I've had a little footnote there and it referred me over to Philippians 4, 6 where it said, be careful for nothing. Or, and then in the margin tone said, do not be anxious about anything. Or don't worry, in other words. 
I said, oh, Lord, have I got to live like that? Is that the way Christians supposed to live? He said, yeah. Well, I said, I can't live without worrying. My grandma and mama was world champion worries. And they taught me to worry. Man, I wasn't just about dead, but I just about worried myself to death the rest of the way. That means do that. And then my, my reference referred me to first to first Peter five seven where it said, Casting all your care, casting all your worries on him. He told me what to do, and so I practiced that. And right here, James, you know what James said? I found this in this first chapter of James. James said, You can read it, this twenty first verse read a while ago, but you can read on back there where he said, Count it all joy. When? And then things going good for you. You got money in your pocket. Your bills are all paid. Your children are all well. Preachers are preaching to suit you. And everything's running fine. Count it all joy. Oh, no. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. He said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Amen. Great word translated temptation there means tests or trials. Count it all joy when you fall into divers tests. Divers mean different kinds of tests and different kinds of trials. Count it joy. You doing that? I say, hey, you doing that? <laughs> well, I was trying to. Well, you're not doing it. <laughs> you're not doing it. Count it joy. Praise God. I'm glad I found that out as a Baptist boy. On the bed of affliction, I started counting it joy. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. It makes all the difference in the world. You can thank God for every hard place. You can thank God for every test. You can thank God for every trial. That's what I'm talking about. Be a doer of the Word. Be a doer of the Word. It's by meditating in the Word, practicing the Word, doing the Word. That's what will develop your spirit nature. That's what will develop this inward man. And this inward man will dominate the outward man then. Worry from the outside can't dominate you then. You'll get your mind renewed with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand, please. I'm so glad you came tonight. How many of you are glad you came? Praise the Lord. Isn't He wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't the Word of God good? Praise the Lord. Thank God for His Word. Let's just lift both of our hands and thank God for His Word. Father, we lift our hands. We lift our voices. In prayer. In praise. In adoration. In thanksgiving. Unto Thee. For thy holy word. Oh, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the teacher, the Holy Spirit, whom you've sent to be our teacher, to guide us. We worship, we reverence, we honor, we magnify, we glorify the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Well, as you go tonight, turn now and shake hands with two or three people and say, thank God for the Word. You're talking about this written Word right now. Thank God for the Word. And you're dismissed. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org. Or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.